Welcome to the Elevate Your Brand podcast, where we help online coaches learn how to elevate their brand, become the experts in their industries, so they can bring in more clients and create a life they want. I am your host, Chris Anderson. And if you want to make a difference in the lives of others, share this episode, go over to Apple Podcasts and follow us there to leave a positive rating and review. And together, we can leave a bigger positive mark on the world. Today, we have Christine Nicholson on the show today. She is a multi-award winning business mentor who specializes in the exit and secession planning for business owners and their teams. So we're really excited to have Christine on. Christine, welcome to Elevate Your Brand today. Hi, thank you. And uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. So you guys might hear Christine's over in the UK. Get that right? You can say UK. Am I correct yes. on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Although uh, if you're a purist, I'd say I'm English. English, okay. Um, yeah. And if you were talking to a Scots person, they would be Scottish. Scottish, okay. <laughs> we might make sure we differentiate for sure over there. But I, just to kind of, we all heard of the Queen's passing and, mm. and the transition of power there. And we, it's just in a crazy thing because all my life I've seen the queen over there and I'm sure everyone over there it's just such a huge yeah loss it's just crazy how long she's been in power and how she presented herself through all those years and I'm very lucky because I've worked for the royal family twice oh wow. and, and I've served in the military so I'm a veteran oh, wow so I've had that experience and actually when you think about it with the queen's passing never has succession planning been more in the media right? it's true it's the literally the minute she draws her last breath it's the queen is dead long live mm. the the succession is there and yeah. he spent his entire life planning for it that's yeah, that's a great point. I didn't even th- when I mentioned that I wasn't even thinking in that direction, but it's so true. And we think about like even here in the states, personally, like estate planning, planning for that day because we're all going to die. Unfortunately, uh, the incomes first of all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With that, you know, that plan has been in progress probably since she became the queen. It's, so they already had it. They planned it from the very beginning. Yeah. I- Succession in the royal family is a, is because of years of tradition, and you are literally born into knowing exactly what your role is. Yeah. And if you think about the queen, she wasn't born to be the queen. She was the king's niece, and it was only when the king made the decision that he didn't want to do this anymore. And constitutionally, that's a really tough decision because it is something you are born into. Um, then his brother became king, which meant that she automatically became in the line of succession. So she knew from the day that the, the, the king stepped down and her father became king, she already knew what her life plan would be. Wow. And that's and 70 years of service. Wow. She's just an amazing yeah. service. And I went to the funeral. And yeah, it was just extraordinary. Two and a half million people on the streets of London. And you heard a pin drop. I can imagine. Uh, I can imagine. Extraordinary. It's definitely, it's historical as as sad as the passing is for anyone, but just historical moment, just from Mm. where she came from and and what she did. And for the, it just, it's just amazing just what Mm. she accomplished. But secession planning is so important because if not, it's just kind of chaos with without knowing what to do same in families something happened to me yeah. 
what's the steps, what needs to happen and, and same in business too. And I think a lot of people, and that's what we're going to dive into when you're building a business, you need to start with the end in mind because yes, you could keep going forever until you pass, but then what, or what is your end goal? Is it to sell? Is it to emerge? So these are all important questions to think about. And I'll think a lot of business owners don't think about it until it's too late. And then it's too late. Yeah. Why is it so important in the business setting? We, we talked about life. So why now is succession planning so important when you're starting a business? I'm going to answer this in a slightly unusual way because there are two really sad things that I hear. And one is, yeah, I'm starting to run my business down now because I want to retire in a couple of years. And I'm like, oh, what do you mean running it down? You spent however many years building yeah. up and the sheer effort is pushing that stone <sighs> up the hill. You, you do all that effort and now you're just going to let it drift away. So not recognizing the value because you haven't done any succession planning or any exit planning. So that's one really sad thing. And that's why succession and exit planning is important. Because the, the other sad thing that I hear is business owners died. Now what do we do? <laughs> and they've died. The family have got no income because they were reliant on the business owner's income. And now they've also got a business to manage that they're completely ill-equipped to manage because the business owner was such a key part of it central core part of the running of the business no one else knows how to do it so I've just lost my loved one I've now lost my source of income and I've now got a business that I don't know how to run (laughs) and that is again that's tragic because there's no space for any kind of grieving or the grieving gets in the way and and if a business owner either dies becomes incapacitated or suffers from some kind of disease that stops them working Business is like if they are working in the day to day of the business, that business is more likely to be insolvent within 12 months, which is, again, it comes back to the first sad thing, which mm-hmm. is you spend all that effort building it. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you just build it and then shore it up behind so it doesn't roll backwards on you? <laughs> and that's the bit about planning. Yeah. Because I do hear, oh, I'm never leaving my business. And I'm yeah, thinking, okay. Yeah. Put some money on that. Definitely leaving your business. It's just a matter of when and how. So, do you want to leave it when you choose? It's going to leave it to fate. Yeah. And I think that's so true. Yeah. We leave the fate. We're going to be in a world of hurt. But yeah, it's just, that's crazy. I'm just thinking about mine and Elevate's been, we're kind of on one year of Elevate, which has been amazing. And I just can't think like just letting it dwindle in the future, like 20, 30 years down the road, 10 years, whatever it is. That I just, it'd be like, just to my heart, uh, like all that work and it just goes, no, no thanks. For those start just starting out, they have this idea, they're, tr- they're trying to create a business. Maybe they're making under a thousand a month, maybe a thousand a month right now. They're early. Yeah. Is that still a good time to start planning for the end? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's the best time. The problem is that you're spending all of your mental energy on getting your customer and then getting them to pay. You get the customer and you service the customer and you make sure that the customer pays you. And and even if you only did 30 minutes a week of just the basic stuff that makes your business more resilient Mm. and never more so if you're in business with someone because it's all 
it's a bit like getting married. You have the early honeymoon days. And some people go through 20 years of honeymoon. Don't get me wrong, before they wake up and think, I don't want to be in business with you. Or I want out and you don't. So now what happens? So actually having those conversations fairly early on about what might happen. And I'll come back to my what I call my four horsemen of the business owner's apocalypse. Okay, yeah. Death, disease, disability, and divorce. Four things that come and happen to you. You don't particularly plan them, mostly. And they can devastate you. So right at the very beginning, it's really worth figuring out what happens to you and your business if any of those things happen. And it's really simple. Get a shareholder agreement in place if you've got a business partner. Mm. Make sure that you've got a control plan in place for who would take over and what they would do if something was to happen to you. Please have a will. Even if you're not right, if you're listening to this, you haven't got a business, but you're thinking of going into business, just get a will. Yeah. Honestly, a will takes away all of the pain of your family figuring out what on earth they're going to do if you were to die. Yeah. And th- those are just some of the basics. And then the next thing I would always say to people when you're starting up is when you start to employ people, start to think about how you can hand over control of things in a way that allows your business to give consistent service to your clients. And that's just about getting the right people, doing the right things at the right time for the right reason. Those things actually should be innate in the business. Yeah. Um, But most people don't really think about them and therefore don't do them. No, yeah, I agree. And this is something I've been thinking about more just in personal life and with business. Like, okay, we need to start setting that up for the end. No, we don't have a partner yet. Of course, that can always change. You can always bring someone on. Why is it important to have that shareholder agreement in place if you have a partner? So most people, and I've done this a couple of times, (laughs) badly. So pin your ears back, guys, because this is definitely a case of do what I say, don't do what I do. (laughs) Okay. But right at the very beginning, you're so excited about the opportunity and the idea. And you're generally like, oh, God, I can't believe I've got someone else who thinks like this uh, about stuff. But so you decide to form the company. And generally, you go in with a 50-50 shareholding, which generally means we're for a 50-50 shareholder, then got to be 50-50 decision making. Mm. I, it doesn't have to be like that. And then we're probably both going to be working in the business because, you know, let's face it, unless we chuck money in, which is traditional shareholder way, we're actually putting our time, effort and sweat into it. Yeah. And so we're going to get paid 50-50. Now, usually it's not too far hmm. down the track that you find that one person is putting a whole load more effort in than the other. And it might be that one person just has to work harder at their thing because that's the thing that at the time is most important to the business. But equally, I've been in a business partnership where I was putting in quite a lot of the effort uh, versus, versus oh, yeah. big effort. Versus, micro, micro, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So being paid equally is just not what's going to work. So a shareholder agreement says this is about the ownership And it's a clear blue sky between this is the job that I do in the business because that's an employment contract. And then there's what do you do as 
as directors. So how do you control the day-to-day decision-making of within the business, which has usually been delegated from the shareholders? Okay. The shareholder agreement will also stipulate, or it should do, will stipulate what happens if what, something happens to one or more of you. So the last thing that most business partners want to do is find that their business partner has died and they're now in business with their business partner's spouse mm-hmm. or children or yeah. words, some other being that yeah. they've never had anything to do with. So it's about what happens to – so basically what's going to happen to my 50% if I'm not around and what's going to happen to you and your 50% mm. if I'm not around. Okay. And it's having those tough conversations, being able to say when you're all happy and excited, please don't – if you leave this business, then there ain't no way that I'm going to be in business with your wife or your husband <laughs> or your children. So making it clear what, what's going to happen then. Yeah. So you take that agreement and go back what you said with your four horsemen of business apocalypse and go, okay, so now, you know, John Doe, if you die, this is what's going to happen. Or if I die, this is what's going to happen. If you have a disease and can't work or whatever, this was for both of us. And you just go down there and have a tripwire for each of those kind of things um, that that gets the ball rolling. Including when you're all happy at the beginning and you're all excited, it's Mm -hmm. great. But what happens if one of you falls out of love with the business, falls in love with something or someone else <laughs> and wants to go and chase that thing. Yeah. So they can stay a shareholder by all means, but they're now not working in the business and do they still expect all the dividends? And the, But so if someone does decide to go away, what are, you, are you going to allow them to be a shareholder without mm. being actively involved in the business? Or are you going to want to have a mechanism for valuing the business so that each of you could buy each other out depending on who wants to make that decision and having the valuation mechanism having the terms on which that that buyout happens right at the very beginning means that later on if you do fall out or should the worst thing happen you know it is more likely to happen a bad thing while you're still around but yeah. being incapacitated is much more likely to happen then it means that there's no argument then because the rules are already set. You're yeah. not making them up when one person might be in a slightly stronger position than the other, and which means that there's a level of fairness that comes in. You make the deal when you're in a good place and you're competent to do Yeah. not when you're perhaps worrying about, so here's a bad situation. One of my clients his wife was diagnosed with terminal cancer Mm. and it's last six months with my wife dealing with day-to-day firefighting. I know what I'm going to choose and the wife's going to win because I've only got six months with her. I'll come back to that if it's still around. So being able to deal with that kind of thing. Sadly, exit and succession planning is a bit like life assurance. Nobody wants to think that they want it. And the big trigger when they st- when business owners start to think about exiting succession planning is usually they get to my age, they're in their 50s, and one of their friends dies. And they think, oh, didn't realize I didn't have that long. Mm. And it's a little trigger. That'll be the thing that uh, gets them all of a sudden doing fitness, diet, dieting, and yep. 
buying life assurance and making sure they've got making sure the house is done finishing all those jobs that have been waiting for 20 years putting money into the kids college fund all of those kind of things suddenly come very sharply to Mm. yeah i think and it's a great point if you're going into business if you're starting if you're listening to this everybody and you do have a partner i think it's definitely something to have early on a clear understanding of these possibilities and what happens and here in the state you can find a small business lawyer that can help you walk through those get things in place people like christine and what they do they help you set these up so these, it's worth the investment and the steps and the time to get that ready to get that in place so then you can just review it every now and then instead of rushing around at the last moment when emotions are flying everywhere and things have changed so i think it's super especially if you're having a partner i think it it just adds a different dynamic to what you have to plan for for sure now if you're like if you're a solo entrepreneur you're bootstrapping you're getting this thing on your own do you still need a shareholder plan if someone was to come in? Is, is that something you think about or do you wait until you have a partner come in? No, you need an exit plan. And that is just a case of what happens if I can't work in my business. Mm. So actually having an exit plan for unplanned events, actually having an exit plan for planned events. And a lot of business owners don't realize they've got a huge amount of choice. So when I said right at the beginning, very beginning, the saddest thing I hear is when people say to me, oh, I'm running my business down. Yeah, that, that just doesn't feel right after you put all right. that energy in. And it's, but it, they say those things because they don't feel like they've got a choice. They think, I'm my business, therefore I haven't got anything to sell. Mm. But actually there's always something that you might not be selling it for millions, but there's always something there. And it, there are so many options available to you so I think for me the big thing is right at the very beginning understand what the possible options are so that you can actually just cogitate and think about them and then as you build your business usually a couple of those options will just become crystal clear as appropriate for you some of them won't be appropriate at all. You can, you know, if we had 20 different options then we'd literally say okay out of the 20 we can eliminate two-thirds of them, for example. But of whatever's left, generally 80% of your exit journey, 80% of the things that you really need to do to get a successful exit will be the same. So the last 20% that's different. So there's a whole raft of things that you can do that add resilience, give a bit more security to you, your management team, whoever's relying on you for your income, Mm. and boosts the value of your business. Yeah. So here's the one thing that I would like to say to every business. Yeah. All right, listen up, everybody. Okay. You better be drop whatever you're doing. Stop multitasking. This is it. So listen <laughs> in right now, right here. <laughs> Roll those drums. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The more you work in your business, the less your business is worth. I'm going to say mm. that again. Amen. The more you work in your business, the less your business is worth. Yep. The I'm glad single, you said that. Singly most important task you have is getting yourself aware. out of the day to day. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I was going to actually, that was my next question. I was going to go into that, but that's 
more, the more you work in your business, the less your business is worth. It's so true because if you are the main player, if you're doing everything else because of whatever reason, you don't trust other people or you know, you just don't think about whatever it is and you go down, I tell all people all the time, whether it's talking about their health or, or you're the captain of the ship. It, and if you're controlling the ship and you go down, the whole ship goes down. So yeah. that you need to have commanders, you need to have lieutenant, you need to have all these people on your ship that are doing the work that you can trust that if you step away for something more urgent or for to push the army forward, push your group forward, every the ship's still going to run. Yeah. Uh, and I think we can't hit on this more because so many people, they grow their business, but then they're still the business and they don't have the, they're basically trading a nine to five for a 24 seven, 24 seven. Like they're not getting out of it to build what they want. They have the idea of, Hey, I want to build this to have freedom, but they never get to that point and it ends up too much for them. And they give up because they don't understand the scale and to distribute the work to other people who are one, they're going to be better than you in those positions. And so things are just going to be better. So I'm glad you said that. So yeah, dive into that and how we can plan getting out of the business, out of the way of the growth and everything. For me, there are always seven questions that I ask every single business owner, and they point towards the key things that that you need to do. So one is you need to have a plan. And having a plan doesn't mean sticking it in the the drawer once you've done it. It it means actually having a plan that's an active plan, not a 96-page graduate dissertation, Mm. two-page, this is what my goals are, and this is what I'm going to do right now. Have, so have a plan. Have some processes so that if you do something more than once, write it down, make it into a process, and develop a checklist if it's a complicated thing. It, 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 even people who provide bespoke services, your process is your checklist to make sure that you've not missed anything. Get the right people in because if you've got people and processes you can get the right people doing the right thing if you've got a plan and you share it with the people you've got the right people doing the right thing for the right reason yeah they're all pointing in the right direction most people are surprised that a fourth thing i say is about cash flow because mm. i'm a, my first training once i came out of the navy so understand your cash flow like Anybody, any business owner who says, oh, I don't do numbers <sighs> or, oh, I was rubbish at maths at school. Get out of business because you don't belong in business if you don't do numbers. Yeah, that's one to- of the biggest things that I've had to learn because that was me. That was like, man, I'm terrible math. I don't like numbers. My wife is. Thank goodness that I have her to help me because I'm learning. But that's a huge, that's a huge point right there. That's something I really had to be learning was the numbers. So there's two things around numbers. One is cash flow, and that is really understanding that the lifeblood of your business is the flow of cash through it, and then know your numbers because you can understand cash flow to a certain extent, but if you don't know your numbers and you haven't got the right margin, et cetera. Those are the five biggies that are from a business perspective. Yeah. And here's the two things that are from a you, the business owner perspective. What relationship do you have with your business what relationship do you have with these five things if you're so embedded in it that the business can't run without you then all of this stuff ain't going to help you so have a relationship with your business where your business is not your baby your, <laughs> yeah. babies, your babies are your babies your kids are your babies yep. your business is 
a collection of people who are helping you leverage your wealth and it's all a legal transaction. So there is culture there, but the business itself is just a pack of paper and digital zeros and ones. Okay, so that's the first thing is what relationship do you have? And be clear about how you manage that relationship because it needs to be separate. And then the second thing is, based on the relationship that you have with your business and how you manage these five biggies, what impact does that have on your family? Make yourself miserable. That's okay. You're choosing that. (laughs) Everyone else around you miserable. Trust me, if you're making your family miserable, you're you're making your people miserable. Mm. Maybe not everybody belongs in life as a business owner. Yeah, that's a good point. And I've heard it said, like, sometimes it's okay to be the partner, to be Mm -hmm. someone in the business and bring your strengths and just support than being the one starting it. Because it is a different ballgame. And 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 that's okay. It's okay not to be the one starting, but to be the support that makes it grow. So that's a great point there for sure. And I think also it's so I have an example of kind of the scaling part and finding the right people. So locally, there's a business, and I won't say what it is, of course. They're doing well. They're a a national chain, known. So I guess not local. It started local. But like I've had an inside look at how they kind of run things, the back office. And the owners of the business are still hands-on doing things and like in the office. And I'm like, you've been around like, 20 something years 20 years like how are you why are you still in here putting out fires and doing actions and then it clicks i see their lifestyle and i see how long they've had that lifestyle they did lifestyle creep way too soon so then they couldn't invest back into the business to grow that infrastructure and grow this plan and it like is all clicking in my mind i see it and i'm like oh my goodness like I don't want to be that. And so it's so important because they're running around like, sure, they still, they live comfortably, they travel and things like that, but they're still so involved. And I'm like, it's, they're not paying people the best and they just, they could be so much bigger. Yeah. And that is it. I have a past client and they've been running their business for 30 years. Okay. And uh, they started it from scratch. Brilliant idea, fantastic product. And then what happens is they grow their business to a point where they're outside of their span of control. So then what they do is they go, okay, we're going to break through that and go to the next level of scale. And then they've employed an MD and so a managing director to come in and run it for them because it's beyond beyond Mm. this. But of course, what they do is they keep cutting across him. (laughs) He <laughs> gets so fed up of them micromanaging yep. it. He then leaves. Well, they then bring the business down and update uh, themselves, and then they grow it again. Mm. You get six managing directors in six years later. They wonder why they've been oscillating like this. Yeah, and their business has never actually achieved a valuation of higher than. Yeah. It's not a business. It's a job still. And that's huge. And we are our biggest obstacle when building Mm. a business. If we can't get out of the way, then it's just going to be a job. And Anthony's tuning in. He's got a great question I'm going to pull up here um, about this because a lot of people, they're bootstrapping. They're solopreneurs. They're starting out. So he asked, Anthony asked with about the wallet, about that wallet. When do you outsource your work to step back in business? 
And great question, Anthony. I appreciate you hopping on there and asking that. So how can we take those steps? Because obviously we have to have money to live off of and, and provide, but then we get to the point where we need to outsource. So how do people go about that, those steps? Okay. So here's, and it's a toughie because I've mm. been there before myself mm-hmm. because you, you want to have the income, but your income isn't capped unless you then start to do something to increase your capacity. So I always think of, you have three jobs in your business, getting and keeping customers. <laughs> that's the marketing, the selling yeah. and the delivery, staying legal mm. and making, getting and keeping customers or staying legal more efficient. <laughs> so getting and keeping customers, staying legal or efficiency. Now, when you've gotten caught your customers and you're staying legal, but you start to expand, then you're now got to get into efficiency mode. And usually efficiency mode is you are going to take a slightly step back because you've got mm-hmm. to find some space for this. Yep. So think about all the tasks that you've got on your task list <laughs> and work out which is the one that you can get help with at the lowest possible cost. And I'll give you a clue. It's usually your bookkeeping that's the first to go. The last thing that you feel like you should let go of, it's the first thing you should let go of. If you can pay a bookkeeper, I know what the going rate in the States is these days, but like you can outsource this to the Philippines or you can pay locally. But I guarantee you, if you're spending 10 hours on your bookkeeping in the evenings and the weekends, get that time back and pay someone a couple of hours to do it. It's about process and communication. So first thing is is your finance. Second thing is your marketing. Here's the thing again. There will be a million and one people who will be coming up to you saying, I run a marketing agency and I can do marketing for you. And then you'll say, what do you do and how much you cost? And they'll go, I there's so many thousands of dollars per month and I will do this post and that post for you. And then no, do not deal with any marketing company who actually says, for this money, I will do these transactions for you. Uh-huh. you want to engage with a a marketing company that says, okay, let me understand your business and let me understand what a good return on investment looks like because then the marketing company will be doing things for you that give you a return, engaging in someone like that. And it's a proper investment of time and you're going to kiss a lot of frogs because you you need to get the customers so that you can deliver. And at the same time as you're going to be getting some marketing done that you don't need to do the marketing every day, you then probably need to start thinking about, okay, who else can deliver this for me? Mm. And so I've done these in the order. So the finance, you'll feel like you don't want to let it go, but you <laughs> have to. The marketing, you will want to let go mostly, but it will be the hardest thing to actually get someone acting in the right way for you yeah and then finally it's actually sharing this delivery so that you Mm. can spend some time strategically and that's the hardest person to find because you've got to find someone who comes in at your level and uh, and actually start going with it and delivering services to clients that you fought hard for yeah yeah but when you're not bringing the client in, when your marketing people are bringing the client in, then you're divorcing the I'm bringing the client in, therefore it's my personal relationship, therefore I have to mm. do that. 
Yeah. When a marketing person comes in, it's your company and your brand that's delivering. And they don't care. Mostly the customer won't care whether it's you or whether it's just someone in your team because they won't know any different. Yeah. And all of a sudden, once you get through that, and it is properly like there's an Ironman in Hawaii. I think it's the most famous one where you yep. swim two miles in. Yep. Yep. And they always say it's shark-infested water. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is your shark-infested swim. Because it's literally that you go through this about three or four times in your business career, and at the startup phase, when you're just getting to build up some capacity, it's then, Mm -hmm. and then when you're at the scale up stage, you go through another round. Then, because sometimes you have to get rid of people that have been very loyal, but they're not the right people to take you to the next level. Yep, there'll always be those times where you feel like you're swimming in shark infested water, but. You've got a choice. You can stay where you are on dry land, or you can move forward to another stage in your business. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's your life and you choose. And if you're happy being on your own and doing everything and sitting within a, a smaller business and, it, and you're building a lifestyle around that, don't let anybody guilt you right. into thinking that that's the wrong thing. Because if it's the right thing for you, and it makes you really happy. Yeah. Then it's the right thing. No, don't that's a great point. Uh, de- definitely don't make yourself miserable mm-hmm. by doing what you think everyone should have. You yeah. Should, should be doing. Know where you want to go with it. Know the end goal, and then you'll mm-hmm. realize, okay, hey, I can't be the one doing it, or hey, yeah, I can, I can do this, and I'm happy, and, and it does what I needed to do. But I think these are great points. I appreciate you sharing, Anthony. Said thank you, Christine, for the information definitely look into everything so again Anthony, thanks for tuning in shane michael thanks for tuning in but yeah last question for you before we kind of wrap up not last question but the last one based on succession and growing and when you're on this plan to to exit building this when we've talked about is it good to start with the freelancing for outsource and then eventually be able to get them to employees or or is it better to always do that outsource like contracted people is there a difference does it matter it depends entirely on what type of business that you want and i started out with freelancers Mm -hmm. in some of my businesses and stayed with freelancers other ones of my businesses i've had no choice but to employ in-house people but i had the backing and the investment i had the money banked and specifically for doing that one thing so it's define your business model, define what the investment is, decide whether you've got the cash or not. If you're bootstrapping, you're going to be doing freelancing. Yeah. But remember that nobody can build anything at scale just from freelancers. Mm-hmm. At some point, you're going to have to have in-house staff. Yep. And uh, it's just a matter of the when, yeah. um, not the if, yeah. if, if you're going to build something to scale. And As employees open up. It's, it, people think employees, okay, yeah, I'll give them this much per month, but there's more to it. So there's a little bit more complexity in, in what you're paying and the money going out. It costs a little bit more to have an employee than, of, of course, a freelancer. You're paying for the, if you're employing someone in your business, you're paying them to do a whole role. And it doesn't matter how many hours you're paying them, whether they're part time or full time. Here in the UK, you have slightly more rights if you're a full time employee. So there's certain cutoffs and but you have legal rights 
and uh, and then there's legal obligations around employment in and especially around bill paying things like social taxes mm-hmm. uh, and employment taxes yeah. but it, i always think of no matter who you employ or how you employ them everybody should be giving you a return on their investment and it's your job to figure out what that return is mm. and no matter who you employ so with freelancers you're probably going to employ people at a, a high skill point straight away because you need them to be running straight away yep. with an employee you might want to bring them in slightly more junior and train them in your way mm. there's a training cost so which is an investment and and here's a good quote that I there's a couple of quotes that I like from Richard Branson most of the time I think he's a bit of a loon but but, <laughs> um, but he does say when he speaks common sense he really speaks common sense now one is never take your eyes off the cash flow it's the lifeblood of your business mm. and the second one is and this is really valuable train your staff so that they can leave your business Yep. Treat them so that they don't want to. Yep. So you've got to you give them all the training that you can. It's a proper investment. And if you've got the right culture, they'll stay. Yep. I think that's huge. And I've heard that quote too before that second one. And it's so true because, and I've heard it said or said differently too. It said about management talking about their employees. Hey, why are we doing all this training? Why are we helping them better? What? Because what if we train them and they leave? Because they're better. And the boss says, what if we don't train them and they stay? Yes. <laughs> they're not improving. Yes. And so it's not. So I, I love that quote. And it's, it's so true. I'll feed into your people. But thank you for diving into that and what that looks like. It's been a great, great conversation about exit planning, succession planning, and scaling even how those steps affect all of that, the outcome of the business. Again, Christine, we appreciate you. Everyone, make sure you get connected with Christine. Where's the best place people can find you, Christine? So my website is businessmentoruk.com, even though I mentor clients across the globe. And But also catch me on LinkedIn. It's Christine Nicholson. You'll see me because I'm the one that says multi-award winning business mentor. And also, if you're interested in any of my books and I write extensively about what we've just spoken about, then you can go and find me on Amazon. And my first book was Five Minute Finance. So anybody who does the whole I don't do numbers, (laughs) go and check out Five Minute Finance because it was written for one of my clients, which is why I ended up publishing it because it totally focuses on having a really good relationship with the numbers in your business. Awesome. And if you find that book, you'll see also all of my other books. That's fantastic. Yeah, everyone, make sure you go get connected with Christine, check out her books. And if you need a succession planning or getting started in that, make sure you reach out to her. She puts out a lot of great information. So again, Christine, thank you so much for being on Elevate Your Brand today. No, my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. And make sure if you're watching this live, or on replay, share it with those in your community on social media that are maybe starting a business or have the idea to get this information out there. Because if you do that, we can help a lot more people succeed and grow and elevate their brand. But until next time, guys, go out there and make a difference. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. 